0: Welcome to the Providence Church Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Chuck wraps up our Galatians series by examining the idea of reaping what you sow. For more Providence Church, visit us online at That's provchurch.net. That's church.net. Let's get into it. I'm often amazed when people do things and it's pretty obvious the outcome, and yet they're totally surprised by the outcome. Give you a little example. I remember years ago, I was golfing right here in Lancaster, and I was with uh, a friend, and, um, I noticed over in the other fairway, there was this guy golfing, and his ball had landed. Imagine that this is a tree, and his ball landed with, like, right, right opposite the tree. And he was shooting that way, and he, I saw him walk up to it. And he's like, I'm gonna play this ball right here. So I said to my buddy, watch this. So it seemed like everybody who was watching this knew what the outcome was gonna be, and you probably already know. He comes over with his iron, he stands by the tree, and he hits it. And what do you think happened? That club wrapped right around that tree, bent. It was like a cartoon. And he holds it up totally shocked. What just happened? it's sad when we that's a funny story and we laughed at his expense but it's really sad when we see things we see people make decisions and they're oblivious to the outcome it's really sad when it's your own children right Um, to this whatever the degree is um, you know we, we say things like well they have to learn on their own they have to learn for themselves And it's, but it's tragic. We have to continually reinvent the wheel. What's that all about? I was recently watching a video. I watch, um, I like watching videos of like theological things. I'm weird that way. And also psychology, some. And one of the modern, uh, you might say, psychologists of our time, Jordan Peterson, I like to watch some of his videos. And he warns people about, of all things, violating even the minor commandments of God, the even the minor one—I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he believes in God apparently. Because he says, if you violate even just one little one, that little there's going to be a, a negative correlation to that in your life, and it's this—it's um, the principle of sowing and reaping, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, but before we do, before we read, I want to pray that God would help us to uh, connect, to hear what the Spirit says. So let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here. And I pray that these words will be the words that you intended them to be, the words of life. And uh, we pray that you would minister to each of our hearts, that we would indeed have ears to hear what the Spirit says. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you'd like to follow along, uh, we're going to read the uh, sixth chapter uh, of Galatians. We're gonna we're gonna finish up our series with in Galatians this morning. Uh, it's been a great ride. I've enjoyed it. It's been um, wonderful to see Paul give us a um, you might say just a common sense approach to the things of God, but some real serious Orthodoxy, and when we talk about orthodoxy, we're talking about right beliefs. So he gives us these in a in a very passionate. Uh, he's he's aggravated, he's frustrated, and he's um, and and we've seen that come out. It's been wonderful, and, and we're going to finish up, and he, and he doesn't relent. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things to the one who teaches, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whoever, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised in only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are persecuted do not themselves keep the law. And upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. One of the things that is really particularly encouraging to me as I, as we look at this, uh, what we would say pragmatic. There's a lot of pragmatic teaching. And so when we talk about pragmatic, that's just a, a philosophy. You think of it this way. You have spiritual on the one side and we have pragmatism on the other. So one plus one is two. There's no nuance to it. There's no, uh, um, philosophical, uh, pondering of it. It's always two. That's, that, that's a great, way to think of something that's pragmatic. So in other words, cause and effect, all right? And the word of God um, is really upfront about that. Uh, Peter actually says that God's power has been granted to us. He has granted to us all things, Paul has mentioned that here in Galatians, that pertain to life and godliness. So he's making that distinction right there. Our life, there are things that pertain to this life this life, and the godliness that God wants to uh, impart to us so that we can indeed enjoy this life in the way that he intended it. So as we looked at that passage, to me the key verse that stood out was, Do not be deceived, seventh verse. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. He wants us to get this very, do not be deceived. Don't talk yourself out of this. And that's what, uh, we, we have this two connect, these two connecting truths, deception and reaping and sowing. Reaping and sowing. So like all truths, we can take them too far. So the reaping and sowing. If you reap good things, you'll get good things. If you uh, reap bad things, you'll get bad things. And that's true. But there is this theology over the recent years that has developed called what has been identified as retribution theology. In other words, if you do good, God will bless you. If you do bad, God is going to smite you. And that is not accurate. God doesn't have a scorecard. He's not keeping track of what we do. And if we do badly, we get a mark in the bad column. And if we do well, we get a mark in the good column. That's not what God does. I remember playing basketball with a guy one time and he was just draining them. Boom. And every time he'd drain them, he'd say, clean living, clean living. (laughs) That's why he's getting it done all right i went to a house one time i was a mechanical contractor years ago i went into a home to do a repair on a water heater and there was no furniture in the house big huge house no furniture and i walk in and there's no furniture anywhere it's odd and the lady's there and i'm and the first thing i said is are you moving and as the words were coming out of my mouth i realized they're not moving they lost everything they had a business and it went bad, and the woman looked at me, and I I said, I'm sorry, and she says, yeah, our Sunday school class seems to think it's because we had sin in our lives. What? I think if that were the case, my house would be empty, too, and maybe yours would be. That's Job's friend's advice, right? Sure, sin impacts us negatively, but God is not up there keeping track. The Lord is merciful and gracious, the Bible tells us. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He's gracious. Thank God for that! It's not in proportion. So these truths come together. We reap what we sow, absolutely. But we want to avoid that retribution theology. I wrote down here, the good news is that the punishment and retribution that is due to each of us in light of all that we have done and we will do wrong has been absorbed by Jesus Christ. Isaiah tells us he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment, the retribution that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. And we just sang about that. So for those who are in Christ, and that's an important distinction, For those of us who are in Christ, there is no longer any fear of judgment and punishment. And Paul has been systematically going through this through the book of Galatians. Why? Because in faith, by faith, we have believed in what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's the foundation. That's where we go at this. Having said that, that's what Paul basically says. Having said that, all right, why do we say having said? Establishing that. We don't move off of that. We don't move on to another different conflicting point of view. We come to a fuller point of view. Because we don't want to develop the say, hey, we're saved by faith, so it doesn't matter what we do. Paul doesn't teach us that, does he? regardless of our performance, even though God will still love us and show fatherly compassion, we will still reap real-life consequences to our life choices. That is a fact. Do not be deceived. Don't talk yourself out of that fact. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, seventh verse, so shall he reap. So I want to talk a little bit about deception. How do we avoid reaping a bad harvest? He starts off, don't be deceived. Verse three and verse seven both talk about deception. One is that you believe a lie. The other is that you actually lie to yourself. Our first bulletin point, being deceived is not an excuse for our sins. Oh, I was deceived. The Bible warns us about deception and we're to take that seriously. Right off the bat, there in the first, third chapter, first verse, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Who deceived you? You were fools for being deceived. You shouldn't have been deceived. He puts the onus on them. Who did this to you? He also talked about that fact that we were, um, we betrayed the gospel when we get tricked into this. Jesus in, in Matthew 24, 4, he, he, he warns against, uh, he, he warns his disciples. He says, see that no one leads you astray. Make sure is what he's saying. Make sure no one leads you astray. It's the Son of God to his disciples. The implication is there are going to be people that come along and lead you, try to lead you astray. These false teachers. Paul, when uh, he writes to the Romans, he says, I appeal to you, brothers. He's, he's earnest. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine, the orthodoxy that you have been taught. He says, avoid them. And he talks about that they deceive the hearts of the naive, he goes on to say. They deceive, these false teachers deceive the hearts of the people who are naive. Paul warns Timothy, he says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, do not agree with, and that do not, and they don't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ in His teachings. He is puffed up and he's conceited, and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissensions, slander. What these are the works of the flesh that he talked about uh, in, in, in the fifth chapter, right? Whole list of them, constant friction. John, the beloved God uh, disciple, he says, for many deceivers have gone out. It's a lot. So this is something that we're going to have to be aware of. Everyone, he, goes, he says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Jesus Christ, he goes on ahead, goes beyond. And that's really one of the key attributes of legalism. It goes beyond what the Bible actually says. Goes on ahead, spot it in a minute. If someone, if it's Jesus and anything, you just, right off the bat, a red flag needs to go up. And it's often good things. Homeschooling, I remember, was a big push. I love homeschooling, we homeschool the kids. But it's not Jesus and homeschooling, people. If you only do these 10 things, only do the, right away, That's a, that should, a, a red flag. Many deceivers. The point is, we must be vigilant against deception. The enemy is a liar, and he has many agents. This is why orthodoxy, right teaching, is so vital. Paul tells us in uh, in in Thessalonians who's actually behind this, and it, we know it's the devil. He's the source. He's the deceiver the ultimate, the coming of the lawless one. This is Paul talking to Timothy. I mean, talk to the church in Thessalon- Thessalonica. He says, the lawless one is, uh, the coming of the lawless one, that would be the antichrist, the against Christ, right, um, it, it, is by the activity of Satan. And he's going to have power and signs and wonders right? And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, why? Because they refuse to love the truth. Now we get a little hint on how we can avoid deception if we love the truth. There's an appetite for God's, for the truth. Jesus is the truth, right? So when we love Jesus just by nature, by just, we love The truth. But sometimes the truth is painful. That's the antidote. The false signs. Imagine that watching. They're gonna maybe raise from the dead. What? Do some magnificent sign. How will we know? We love the truth. So we have this Deceptive ministry by the enemy himself. But that's not all, right? Verse three: if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception. We can lie to ourselves. If anyone has seen the movie The Matrix, they saw this sign, Timet No Timet no say it's latin and it means know thyself don't kid yourself you think you're something and you're not you're kidding yourself and part of what this thinking we're something is is when we start trying to fix other people it gives us this idea that we're big and we're we're we're, we're able to fix other people we'll get into that in a moment paul gets into that squarely What do we know about ourselves? Well, Paul tells us this, we're sinners, right? The hope, the Bible, no amount of law-keeping, he tells us, will remedy the fact, which law did you keep? Did you get the Spirit of God, he asked them? Which one, tell me? You can't do it that way. No amount of law-keeping will remedy the fact that we, everyone in this room, are sinners outside of the power of Jesus Christ. And there's this gnarly little thought that insists I'm really not that bad. If I just work a little harder, if I do a little bit better, I can prove. Just like that, that that the that that man who was forgiven all the money, and he goes out and he grabs that other guy and he tries to get his money so he can show the person who gave him all that forgiveness that he's still serious about getting that thing taken care of. Dude, it's all done. What are you doing? Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. This is what you need to know about yourself. Your heart, my heart, it's deceitful. It lies to us. It tells us we're okay when we're not. You'll, you'll, you'll work it out. You'll get there. No, you won't. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Thank God Jesus does. James says... to to, he writes be doers of the word not hearers only why deceiving yourself if you just hear it you come to church and you hear it and yeah i'm doing something no you're not are you doing it you're kidding yourself this needs to work itself out again we're not shifting off of salvation through faith alone that's covered thank god we don't have that over our heads Oh man, I had a, had a bad week. Do you ever have a bad week? Oh, I had a bad week. Thank God. I was never in jeopardy. You know, I, a, a pastor, I may have mentioned this. It's, it's a useful metaphor. When it's not a yo-yo thing, right? Was saved, sinned, saved. Oh, going to hell. Wherever we are, hopefully I'll die in the, in the doing good phase. It's not that way at all. But you know the wonderful thing is, we're new creatures too. He tucks this in, in verse 15. I'm a, you know, I've died to the world. I'm a new creature. That's true, that's just as true as you're a sinner. You are no longer in that slave mode anymore. You're an heir, we're heirs to Jesus Christ. And that's gonna produce fruit, fruit of righteousness, fruit of the Spirit, hallelujah. So where are we on this journey from sinner to new creation, though? He says in verse 4, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. Now, Paul's not, again, suggesting that we have this scorecard. All right, how am I doing here? I got this scorecard. I've done this many good things, and so now I'm in a favorable position. That's not what he's suggesting at all. He's arguing against this tendency to feel as though we've done something when we can get other people to do things. And that's one of the main forces of legalism, is the person who is the legal teacher, if you will, gets this sensation that they themselves are doing it. In psychology, they call that a reaction formation. I can't do it myself, but if I can be an advocate for it and get you to do it, man, that's going to make me feel pretty good. And, and he says in here that, that um, they're not even doing it themselves. We're going to get to that. And that's that reaction formation. I proclaim the truth and get people to change their behavior. Verse 12, he says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted. So there was a lot of persecution going on too, because this, this Legal approach, what we, we we called Judaizers, had a real stronghold in that region, and so they persecuted people who didn't follow the um, the law. So that was part of the 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 um, um part of the motivation for these people. But it was also about making themselves feel good. And I wrote here: here's the irony. People who make a showing in the flesh are just kidding themselves. They are deceiving themselves. So if you look at verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. And that's what we were just talking about. So the reason for the testing is that we can come... Um, to a knowledge of ourselves. So he he's encouraging us to test. Are you walking with God? It should produce some fruit. All right. Um, and it's about ourselves. Test ourselves. This is an inward thought. This isn't worrying about our neighbor. This is about am I walking with God? I think that's a it's a legitimate question. I heard the truth, and the truth has set me free, and my behavior has changed, is, is the conclusion. But here's the thing, we test ourselves, um, but if we don't, God himself will test us, all right? Uh, for each will have to bear his own load, verse five tells us. Um, in over in Corinthians, he says to the uh, the Corinthian church, if anyone builds, he uses, here Here we're talking farming, reaping and sowing. Here he's talking about building. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stuff, each one's work will become manifest, right? So God's gonna send trials. Uh, it'll be revealed by fire in a test. It'll test what sort of work each one has done. And if that work anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Uh, and if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. I love that. So this isn't this testing isn't again about heaven and hell. Damn nay, This is about reaping fruit in this life. You, me, right now, experiencing the fruit of the spirit in this life and the joy that that brings forth. So, how do we avoid deception? Well, the Bible teaches us three ways, God's Word, the Holy Spirit, and going to church, and they're all integrated, right? they're all it's all in in one sense the same thing in three parts. God's Word. John tells us that Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, "If you abide in my word, You are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So truth is opposite of deception, right? So how do we get into the truth? We will know the truth if we abide in his word. People, we need to love God's word. That's why we make such a big deal of it here at Providence Church. This is how we know the truth. We don't try to figure it out when pastors don't get together. All right, what is our opinion going to be about this topic or that topic or this thing? No, we're going to search God's word. Where does God stand on this, whatever this is? The Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So we get the Holy Ghost that will tell us, he will bear witness to our spirits that this is true. And how do we test that? Through God's word. And go into church. He tells the Hebrews, the Hebrew writer says, don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another. And again, he goes on, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we come to church. That's part of the reason you're here is to realign so that you're not tricked into, uh, through the sins of yourself or the ministry of the, the world into some aberrant view of what God calls truth so we do that together that's part of what we're doing here so the point is if we we want to reap a good harvest or build a great building that stands we have to make sure that we don't listen to the deceptive words of the enemy or our own hearts So when it comes to sowing, and we're going to stick with that since that's what this passage uh we, we, there's really only two options. We either sow good seed or bad seed, faith or works, spirit or flesh. It's a pretty clear dichotomy here. Verse 8 he says to the one who sows to his own flesh, he will reap, his, from his flesh he will reap corruption. Corruption. And he's not just talking about the deeds of the flesh. We could identify those deeds in the fifth chapter as corruption, right? You will reap that. But it's more than that, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, There are eternal implications. And he says this, and when he's talking about reaping to the flesh, he's talking about those who are in the flesh trying to attain justification, He's, stick, he's still on that. That's why he mentioned circumcision. If you are trying to keep commandments in order to overcome that wicked, deceitful heart, in order to become righteous, uh, you, you are in the flesh, and that will only reap corruption. As he said in the third chapter, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you foolish? have begun in the spirit. Now you are being perfected in the flesh. He's still on that theme here. So what is corruption? It's it's, it's damnation, among other things. If you're going to try to live with Jesus and you're not living with Jesus, it's, it's that. That's That's the news. Don't deceive yourself. Don't trick yourself. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ. No rules, no amount of rule-keeping is going to get it done. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we are not depending on the law, we have no fear here. If we're not depending on the law, if we come up short in some of this sowing and reaping that we're gonna talk a little bit about, we don't have anything to worry about. God's working on us. But it also deals with this life this world and this is where paul gets at that this. this is this is excellent i love this he starts the whole chapter off verse 1 brothers if anyone is caught in a transgression you who are spiritual do something restore him in a spirit of gentleness are oh, you not condemning people when we see a brother who is caught snare Sister, our heart should be restoration. How can we help these people? Not judgment and condemnation. Call it what it is. Paul has no trouble calling it sin. But the heart of those who are spiritual, it's about restoring, getting people on the right track. Anyone who's caught. It's not always confessing. That's easier, but sometimes we catch people. We're not going around looking for it, but we say, wait a minute, what's going on here? This isn't right. And if we have courage, we say it. That's not right. Hey, I want to help you. Do they always receive it? Oftentimes, no. They get mad. Oh, well. We're not going to stop. We're going to look to restore people. But then he goes on and says, watch for yourself. If you have this above, uh, greater than spirit, you're looking down your nose, helping other people, you're going to find yourself in the same spot. He's basically saying, so watch out for yourself. It keeps us from a judgmental spirit. We have enough on our own plate, don't we? We got to go straighten that out of other people. No, it's about people who all of a sudden, we they need help. Bear one another's burden, verse 2, and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. The, the very uh, great commission about making disciples is uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You want to do that? You want to observe all that Jesus has commanded uh, uh, us to do? We'll bear one another's burdens. And that's physical, helping them overcome sin. That's sickness. People are sick. And they're in the hospital or they're suffering and they don't even have faith themselves because they're so worn out. We can come along and bear that burden. Emotional support. Verse six: let anyone who is taught, who is taught the word, share all good things with them who teaches. That's 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 where we get that um, those who are teachers, like Dwight and myself, should receive. Right? That's, this is the Bible right here. And we do. Thank you. The church is very generous and, and, and wonderful. But that's scripture. That's, that's a, that's sowing to the spirit. Verse nine, we don't grow weary in doing good. We keep going to church. We keep, uh, praying. We keep reading our Bible. We keep looking out for other people. We never stop. Just keep on going. Shirley Pickle, 50 years doing this. We don't let up. We don't relent. We, Abraham wavered not in unbelief. I love that. He didn't waver. Pressure comes on. He just kept going. I'm just going to keep doing the right thing. Verse 10, he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone especially those who are of the household of faith. I like it, James. What good is it, brothers, if somebody says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them anything, what good is that? (laughs) I love that. James, very practical, very pragmatic, right? That's what it means to sow. So when we sow these, he gives us these practical things where we can sow good seed. But I want to just kind of end here with a a little something about when we sow bad seed. First thing is, young people, uh, you can do bad things enough to ruin your life. Be not deceived. That's just a fact. God has a plan and a desire for each of us. And we can wreck that. I mean it. Wreck it. We can do things that make it so that we will never have what he intended us to have. Don't be deceived. It's very important. I'm not putting pressure. It's just a fact. But here's another wonderful fact. There are some of us who have sown some pretty bad seed we've we've, we we didn't sow good seed and when we figure that out when we come to our senses as the prodigal the prod that word prodigal means waste right the wasteful son when we realize we're that wasteful son and we come to our senses stop now stop sowing that bad seed and you know what happens? You know what God does? He restores. It may be whatever that thing intended may be lost forever, but God is a God of making things up. I love Joel. The children of Israel, they turned aside. They went down. A, a Horrible uh, uh, judgments came upon them because they sowed to the flesh. And Joel says, return to the Lord. This is for us. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he's merciful. He's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. The Lord has pity. The Lord, then the Lord, he became jealous for the land. He is jealous for you and for his people. And he said, "I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied." You got to turn right, and will make, and I will make, I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. Some of us have had some locust activity in our lives, (laughs) and it's devoured some really good harvests, and we've got these paltry little harvests, and God's like, I'm going to restore that. Thank you for listening to this latest sermon. For more Prof. Church, check out our YouTube at Prof. Church Lancaster. Follow us on Facebook at Prof. Church Life, on Instagram at Prof. Church, or visit our website, profchurch.net. Thank you for listening and be sure to make it a great day.